everybody. Billy Holting here. Thanks for tuning in. This episode, we're talking jazz French horn. I bet a lot of us didn't even know that was a thing, but it is. And I found it really fascinating. We have three great French horn players with us this week. John Dixon, Tom Varner, and Bill Warnick. We'll talk about the origins of jazz French horn, the difficulties inherent in the instrument, and more. We also have some cool musical examples. It definitely made me want to check out more jazz French horn players, so I hope it will inspire you as well. Check out the show notes for a more complete list and links to recordings by the players we discuss and more. As always, the Jazz Roundtable is recorded in front of a live internet audience. I've edited a bit from the original, but all the good stuff is here from the live show. These shows are free, but if you'd like to leave us a little something in the tip jar and every little bit helps, please go to live at zerobpm.com slash tip jar. And note, live at zerobpm.com is spelled live, A-T-Z-E-R-O-B-P-M dot com. You can also tip on Venmo. Z-E-R-O-B-P-M. We always love it if you subscribe and leave a review as that really helps us spread the word. I want to make the show better, so please help. If you have any suggestions, send them to podcast at live at zero bpm.com. Thank you, and have fun listening. Welcome to the Jazz Roundtable, brought to you by Live at Zero BPM, with your host, Grammy Award-winning percussionist and mallet player, Billy Holting. Tonight's guests... John Dixon, Tom Farner, and Bill Warnick. If you care to donate, click on the donate slash tip jar link in the description or on our website at live at zerobpm.com slash tip jar. You can also tip on Venmo at Z-E-R-O-B-P-M. And now, let's get to the music with your host, Billy Halting. Welcome to the Jazz Roundtable. We are doing something so cool and unique tonight. We're doing jazz French horn. And I'm sure there are a few of you out there that didn't even know that was a thing. So we ended up, because this is International Horn uh, Symposium Week in the world, we got three incredible uh, French horn players to come out and talk about it. Jazz French horn players. So let me bring these guys up right now. And I will say hello, but let me just start out by saying we are 100% tip-based. So, you know, like the video, subscribe. And if you want to tip, the, I'll put the links up in there. If I can get to YouTube, <laughs> I will put them there. But uh, we'll figure that out. And uh, let's just introduce everybody. So we got Mr. John Dixon here. Hey and there. Then we have, oh, I don't it? have my hand claps on. I got my audience's uh, <laughs> uh And then we have Mr. Tom Varner. Woo. Imagine everybody. Uh, hey, oh, everybody. Come on. Uh, welcome to professional audio broadcasting. <laughs> there we go. There we go. And here is. Okay, it's not plugged in. Anyway. <laughs> so, and then we have Bill Warnick here. So, we're going to talk a lot about the French horn tonight and jazz. We've got some audio clips and video stuff. And uh, let's just jump right into it. Let's start with Bill. I'm going to talk to Bill for a second here. Bill is has been. You've been playing jazz French horn. You started with the master way back in the day. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I was just in, while I was in Manus College of Music, I was mm -hmm. informed that there was going to be a, an audition for the Symphony of New World. And I went and auditioned. Turned out to be a low horn audition. I won it out of the 15 people there. And 
and I went into the first rehearsal, and Julius Watkins is playing third horn. And he is the kind of the the guy that started it all, right? Yes. I mean, he was the first person to sit up there and just be able to read changes on the horn. And how did you meet him again? You were playing in the... Well, I had met him, I guess, my first, the spring of 1969. I saw, a friend of mine saw an ad in the New York Village Voice, the newspaper that's now defunct. Um, Julie Landsman, who used to be first one in Metropolitan Opera. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, let's go hear this. So we both jumped in her car, and we went down to the Third Street Music Settlement in New York. And that was the first time I heard jazz French horn in person. That's when I met Julius Watkins. And I little did I know, three years later, I'd be sitting next to him in an old professional orchestra. That's great. And... Uh now, you weren't improvising at that point in time, were you? No. You were just uh, playing in the group. Now, I, you sent me a – let me put this up here. This is a program from Carnegie Hall. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this concert? Well, when this came out in 1975, I had been playing extra with uh, the Gil Evans Big Band. And um, they had started doing a um, – Newport in New York series for the New York Newport Jazz Festival, but it would be taking place in New York City uh, with George Wayne doing it. And um, I was playing extra with the Gil Evans band from about, this was the spring of 72. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up doing this. They had established a New York Jazz Repertory Orchestra, and as you can see there, they're about there are some five French horn players. Yeah. And we're all playing um, these charts, the uh, 11's charts, which are quite dense. Not like your usual jazz chart, which is relatively open. These mm-hmm. are quite dense. And um, the only person that got the solo there would have been Julius Watkin. Yeah. But um, it was a. We had a great group there. I mean, as you can see, um, they put it back up there. Dave Sanborn is on saxophone there. Billy yeah, Harper and Trevor Colbert. So, um, and uh, we still had a Lou Soloff on trumpet. Wow. So, in that, so it was a pretty hot group at that time. So you were saying in that group of five French horn players, only Julius was improvising. Yes. The rest of us had our written parts out. Right. Now, were you getting and into was, improvisation then, or? I was starting to work on it then. Mm-hmm. Like I had been playing in the Gil Evans Big Band for a year or so then. Wow. So I started. I was starting to work on it and everything. And um, let's put it this way, as your two other guests can tell you, <laughs> it's difficult on horns since we're a fourth away from the rest of the band. Right. Everybody else is in C or maybe B flat. And we're sitting there in F. So an E piece that's in E major for the group for us is in B major. Ah, yikes! That's not so a jazz. It can be rather tricky on the horn. I understand. That's that's cool. Um, 
Let's see. I want to ask you. Well, let's go back to your origin story. You said you didn't even start out on French horn. No, my when I got into junior high school, they didn't have middle schools back then. Um, they didn't have French horns in my school, so I started picked a violin. Oh. And I, I didn't. They got French horns just as I was graduating, um, moving on to high school. And I was good friends with the uh, band director, so I got he let me take one over the summer, and that was the first time I started playing on French horn. Uh huh. Oh, interesting. So, uh, well, let me, let me bring the guys back in here because I think, uh, well, we'll get to, to everybody, but Tom had a question for you. <laughs> I'll take questions from the audience, but, uh, but let's see. Tom had a really good question for Bill. Um, let's see. A couple things. Um, I knew about the Symphony of the New World. I just wanted the lay people out there to know this is, has nothing to do with the group that's in Miami. In the mid-'70s, it was there was a an effort because of you know historical oppression basically and and um, discrimination that it was very hard for African American musicians to play in classical orchestras and they said you know what we're going to make make this special group happen so it was from the get go I think planned to be an integrated. Um, orchestra and it was wonderful that they were able to do that um and so julius who had um been really the pioneer jazz french horn player um was also in this group with um with bill and many 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 other greats um but bill my question to you was was that when you were then at manis when you started to play in the symphony of the new world yes Right. I was in Madness College of Music. I was in my third year. I was just right. starting my third year when I won the audition to the orchestra. Right. And then yeah. pre- freelancing and playing with the, the Gill Band at different times, was that just after Manus? Yes. Yeah. That was okay. after Manus. That would have been in 70. Right, okay. Because I know in 74, 75, 76, um, often Gill, if he did not have Julius, he then started to use John Clark and Peter Gordon. And um, on the um, one record, I think it was Peter Gordon, I saw that band live, 74, with Peter, but then the recording of when they did the music of... um, Jimi Hendrix, that was with John. Jimi Hendrix. Pretty, yeah. Yeah, that was with John. That was with John. And um, that was some, some wonderful stuff. But I know you were working with that band during that time period, which is an exciting well, I was time. extra. I was sort of, you know, right. if one of the others was busy, they would call me and I'd come in. Right. do the, right. the We would run down the charts on Monday afternoon. And actually, that's an interesting story. Um what happens is the Thad Jones Mel Lewis band well, had right. been at, at Village Vanguard forever on Monday nights. They took off and went on a European tour. And they just, and it turns out, Thad Jones just stayed over there right. and started living in Sweden. Um, so they, uh, Gil Evans' band was doing Monday, every Monday night at the Village Vanguard. 
So that's how I ended up being there. And um, the first time I got called, I, it was, let's see, what's his name here? I think Pete Levin called. He couldn't make mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And he was calling me. Sharon Freeman said, oh, call Bill. So I went in there and like, you know, a million notes on the page and yes. it's going 90 miles an hour and very yes. freestyle <laughs> and um, I was thought about it for the longest time they called me on Sunday to play Monday and I was saying should I do this should I not should I do this and I called back an hour later and said I should do it problem was Tuesday I had to play the Mozart Third Concerto with orchestra <laughs> so um, playing in a hundred and something decibel <laughs> basement at the Village Vanguard in the Monday evening and then doing um, Mozart Third on Tuesday was a little tricky my, my teacher heard the tape and he said wow you didn't miss a note it sounds great but you sound very tired <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I never did tell him why I was right. sounded tired. <laughs> in those days at the Village Vanguard, you would play often a third set. So you might play till three in the morning and then you gotta get home, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. Yes. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Well, let's let's yeah. go back to uh to Julius for a second. I'm gonna play a little video clip of him and uh, and you can then I'd like to hear what you guys think of what he did for moving the instrument forward, especially in the world of jazz. Let me find this video. Here it is. Let's check this out. Now, I'll, when I do the show notes, I'll put that uh, I'll put that link out in the show notes. You can find that, as we'll have links to a lot more stuff we're going to talk about tonight. But that's Julius, and uh, and Bill. How long did you work with him or know him up, up out in New York? Well, I knew him until he died. You know, I went out to his house a number of times in New Jersey. There, mm. um, his wife actually played violin in the orchestra. Also, I see. 
So I, you know, I got to know him quite well. Um, and there were times in the orchestra when we'd have a sort of a pops concert. And I guess Brooks Tillotson was on first, uh, Bill Hamilton in second, Julius on third, myself on fourth. And we'd go out in the breaks between the rehearsal and the concert and come back somewhat uh, mm-hmm. in an altered state, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that. <laughs> anyway, well, I, I, I want to move along a little See, bit. And he, would, oh, and he would be able to play perfectly. Oh. And the rest of us are like, How's he doing that? <laughs> the rest Skill. of us are looking for the horn. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, uh, that's great. I, I want to get to Tom, but I just, we have a lot of people uh, watching on YouTube. We have Victor from Brazil. Hi, Victor. We have yes. Jackalope hey, Brassworks. Jackalope Brassworks from Portland. Yay. And then uh, Keiichi from Japan who says Yay. he plays no. not only classical music, but also improvisation <laughs> nice. on the French horn. Victor from Brazil is a French horn player. David Rampart says hi from Australia. And, uh, and uh, I'm assuming David is a French horn player also. These are new, these are new faces in our, in our chat rooms. And then <laughs> over on the Facebook side, we have our regulars. Phil and Kim are here, and Tawny is here. Tawny is the one that kind of facilitated all this. So Yay. hi, Tawny. And uh, if Joyce is here, says... Uh, She asks, how about playing some David Amram playing French horn? I don't have any clips up of David, but uh, we can look for some and put Mm. them in the show notes later on. So, but uh, yes, I I should have. I was um, thinking of people to to list. And in those early pioneers, there was Julius Watkins, there was John Gross and there was Willie Ruff. But there was also David Amram, who was a composer and a French horn player and and sort of jack of all trades, crazy everything man. And um, but he was a good jazz French horn player, and is still going today. Wow. Um, oh yeah. And he he played often with Julius in the Oscar Pettiford big band when they had yes. two horns. And he also played on a beautiful record by Kenny. Dorham called Blue Spring, and that it would be easy to, to put a link up for. Kenny Dorham, Blue Spring, okay. um, where it was with Cannibal Adderley, Kenny Dorham, and David Amram. And, David um, Amram. And there's, there was quite a few others. But he considered Julius uh, a friend and a, and a real comrade. And um, um, so that's, that's a great um, reminder to mention David Amram as well. Right. Yes. Now, Tom, you yourself, you have 14 CDs out as a leader, and you've played on over 70 other recordings. How did you get started playing jazz on the French horn? Were you started well, on classical? Good and question. I, I started in fourth grade mm-hmm. right on French horn. No, no yeah. violin, oh. no trumpet, no nothing mm-hmm. in suburban New Jersey on a little single B-flat, single olds B-flat, which I still have. It's just like yeah. behind that door. <laughs> and um, <laughs> then, in, and I played that single B-flat for a long time. In junior, in sophomore in high school, started to get more into jazz because my other friends were into it. Mm-hmm. But I had been very much into classical music and played in um, small, you know, community orchestras and my high school orchestra. And when I was a senior, I played my Mozart horn concerto too. But by the time I was a, even a sophomore, junior in high school, a lot of my friends were into jazz, and I'm listening to Miles Davis and Clifford Brown and um, um, Freddie Hubbard 
and the sort of fusion of the day, Chick Corea and Mahavishnu Orchestra. And then pretty quickly, maybe when I was a senior, I had a next door neighbor said, check this out. Here's a, a, a Thelonious Monk record with Julius Watkins. And that was the first time I heard an improviser on the instrument taking a solo, not on, not just in the background. And that was a big light bulb for me. It was kind of like, well, this is kind of what I want to do. And um, so from knowing about Julius and then knowing about, there were others, all of us quickly seeing there are others. There was John Clark. Um, there were was, maybe I knew about David Amram too. I had maybe met David Amram. I was in suburban New Jersey. So once I was in college, um, that as a college freshman, I had the chance to go also go out to Julius Watkins' house in Montclair and take a few lessons with him and talk. I just asked him a million questions. So I'm very blessed that I got to nice. meet him also. That was January, February of 76. Um, and then, so sadly, he died in April 77. Right. And I always wanted to tell him, I'm, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. And um, I never got a chance to, which was a lesson right there. Tell people who mean, who mean, to, mean a lot to you, tell them, you're doing, you're doing it, you're doing your thing. So, so I knew about Julius then, and then I just sort of like, well, if Julius can do it, and if John Clark can do it, and then I started to find out more about um, Vincent Chancy and um, um, other people, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to do this too. So I kind of was a stubborn, crazy 17, 18, 19-year-old and just sort of tried to b break through those um, technical barriers of being able to play a steady stream of eighth notes in a swinging way without being stiff. That was really hard. The biggest um, thing was to be able to play swinging um, lines the way a tenor sax could or a trumpet could. Right. And that was like two years of work with a metronome. And then, then you can do it. And now there's... <laughs> Many, many, many people out there that can do that now, which is wonderful. When I was finding out about Julius, I knew that there were like five people out there. Mm -hmm. And it's so wonderful now. We're talking 40 years later. Right. Um, 45 years later? 40, uh, I don't know. But um, <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we won't talk about that. There are now hundreds. It's so wonderful. Some of them are out there, you know. Um, well, you're going to shoot younger, me a list younger that people, I can put, They're can doing it, yeah. You can shoot me a list. I'll put that in the show notes as well. But yeah, gonna, I made, I don't know if people can see, I made a nice little <laughs> list of um, <laughs> Julius, John, John yeah. Grass, Willie Ruff, um, but I'll send that to you, Billy. Um, we'll definitely put that up so people can search um, some people. We'll try to find some links yeah. also. But uh, right. I'm going to play I'm gonna play some stuff. This is. I, I made a medley of some of the things you had. Oh, and that's then, fine. And then I have cool. a separate piece, which was really pretty I wanted to play. But let's just, we can all listen okay. to this. And interpretive dance is allowed while we're listening. So. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's great, Tom. And now, those are just, uh, you sent me a bunch of stuff and it was all great. I just didn't want to play two st- stuff that's too That was long. perfect. But I've got another piece of yours, which was one of my favorites that I saved for several. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, what are you doing now? Are you out playing clubs or are you just doing well, recordings during all this? Uh, um, so, um, I finished college. I was at, at sort of... Um, Normal, quote, unquote, normal liberal arts college for two years, and then I transferred to New England Conservatory and got a bachelor's mm-hmm. in music um, in jazz French horn. They let me do that at wow. New England Conservatory. Mm-hmm. Gunther had just left, but he made it, he kind of, they were like totally fine with that. Um, and moved to New York right away, because I was from New Jersey anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, so from 79 on, Till 2005, I was just a general freelancer, day job person, touring, making CDs, playing in different things, but much more on the jazz side mm-hmm. and or improv, improvisational music side things, but not totally. New music, um, um, contemporary music, um, things like that as well, um, till 05. And then in 05, I moved to Seattle, and now I'm teaching full-time at Cornish College of the Arts. So in Seattle, of course, the last 18 months is not so easy, but yeah. now starting to play out again. I've already just played two two um, very nice concerts um, in the last two weeks, and oh, it's nice. slowly starting again. And um, um, so I'm looking forward to that. I've been writing more. Um, this That last piece there's a couple of those pieces was a no net but with no no guitar no piano it was just seven winds and bass and drums so it's very kind of well definitely gil evans influenced mm-hmm. um some of those other groups were um groups of two saxes french horn bass and drums oh. that's what i've done a lot so you're doing a lot of writing for the three voices and playing with that in sort of chamber music meets jazz right. in many ways. So that's what I've been doing 40 years <laughs> now. It's a similar but, story um, we hear from lots of musicians, you know, just right. the, the kind and, of work um, today. But touring, in, it, in the 80s and 90s and early 00s, I went to Europe a lot. Mm-hmm. I would... I would be in New York, I would play in groups in Switzerland or in Holland or Germany with, there would be like 
half Americans, half Europeans, and they would have various projects, and I'd be busy with that. And you'd, you'd be in New York, you go to Europe, you come back. Do another project. Go to blah, 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 blah. A lot of that over those mm-hmm. years. Now, of course, not as much. And, um, and I've just raised two teenagers who are now 18 and 20. Wow. So, um, so um, no that's, been, that's been the last <laughs> few years as well. Okay, well, going back so that's to, what I've been up to. What, what are the, this could be a general question for any of you, the, why aren't more French, why aren't there more well-known French horn jazz players? You think just because the numbers are small or because it's uh, such a difficult instrument anyway, just adding jazz onto it, add a whole other layer of what's going on? You can, I, I, John? I can answer that. I can tell you that because I haven't done it near as long as these guys have and I haven't played uh, horn as long as they have. Uh, the physics of the instrument itself make it very unpredictable and um, very hard. It's hard enough to play a scale cleanly on this horn uh, after you've practiced it for for years, much less to play something that is spontaneous. the The length of the instrument, combined with the tiny width of the instrument, makes it uh, extremely wide range and um, extremely small targets for the notes that we play. And so physically, it's just it's an it's an incredibly difficult instrument to get around on, uh, especially uh, technically. And you can listen to uh, most of the repertoire for the horn takes advantage of the things it does do well. And playing long running strings of sixteenths and things is not what our repertoire sounds like. And the other thing, um, because our repertoire is not like that, horn players don't practice the way jazz players do. They don't, generally speaking, they. We have so many technical hurdles to get over in terms of getting comfortable the harmonic series, getting smoothly over across four plus octaves of the horn, mm-hmm. um, learning the repertoire that we do have. So if you are going to work in a symphony uh, position, you can know that repertoire. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a very difficult discipline just to get good at playing horn, not to mention trying to create a good tone. Right. All these other things, and then you combine with that the immense, endless, boundless technical um, requirements of being a good jazz player. Because now you've got all the different harmonic structures, all the connective tissue, chord changes, and the like in every key, every mode. If you're being serious, and it's I think for a lot of people, it's just too much. It's just too much. Well, now there, um, I see we have a lot of French horn players here, but there are some people I recognize that are not French horn players. Could you? I see you've got a horn uh, back on your right. Could you pick it up and show it to everybody and explain when you say it's longer than other instruments? You can explain it's just the tubing. There's a lot. You talking distance. to me? I'm talking to you, John. You talking oh. to me? All right, hang uh, on. Actually, maybe it's <laughs> not, not the special new horn, but the other one against the green screen. Got it. No, I, I can show it. you. No, no. I'm going to go another way. Oh, okay. I'm going to go another way. Here you go. There you go. So this is a double. This is a double horn. Uh, This is an an Atkinson model, but it's a Geyer model. It's designed uh, by a fellow in the in Chicago back in the I guess the 30s, give or take. But it's um, on. There's two horns here. There's one on the outside. These pipes. Mm-hmm. This is a horn in F, and it's a good uh, 12 plus feet long uh, without extending it with the valves. And then on the inside, 
There's another horn, and this oh, one wow. is pitched in. This one is pitched in B flat, <laughs> and you get to it with this little thumb uh, trigger switch back and forth. So the harmonic series of one. That's one, and then here's the other one. So the other one is pitched up a fourth. So. As you can tell, it's a very slippery instrument. <laughs> well, and also to begin the, with, the mouthpiece is quite different, isn't it, from a trumpet or a trombone? It's tiny. It's just it's it's and hellishly it's deeper, tiny. right? It's a it's a more of a cone than just a, a bowl, correct? Yeah, some of them are. Um, there's a bit of a cup shape to this one. Some of them are more V shaped. Um, it's just the the it, the instrument is such a bear to 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 play uh-huh. well in its normal state, and if you start adding all the other factors that a jazz musician has to deal with. It just makes it a, it's a big hill to climb. And you were also saying, telling me yesterday we were talking about it, that it, the French horn, it has rotary valves as opposed to piston valves. Uh, yeah, these, this particular one does. And so when you press the key, it actually is rotating to, to change the direction, the, the, the tube, yeah. or whatever you call it. Okay, as opposed to a trumpet where you push it down a piston and it changes the... So there, and you were explaining, yeah. you said, well, you've got this other new fancy horn do you want to pull well that one yeah out? the the one and i these guys will be interested in this john clark actually uh has been playing with the idea of doing something like this this is made by a guy named uh, jim patterson uh he's in las cruces and this is not this is not the horn that he's gonna eventually have but it's uh it's, it's basically based on a mellophone and that's a that's a four-letter word for a lot of horn players, um, and, and I mean that exactly how it sounds, because it's typically a horn that gets used on the marching field. Um, there, there are some inherent flaws uh, involved in the shortcuts and the, the sacrifices that had to be made from a, a standard single F horn in order to make it this way. Um, what Jim is in the process of doing, and I think John uh, Clark spoke with him about it first, but I think this would be interesting for a lot of cats that, that play jazz especially is he's just looking to correct some of the things that are inherently wrong in the beast. It's a, you know, Stan Kenton wrote in his band for a section full of a version of this. It wasn't this yeah. shape. Um, and usually it was trumpet players playing those. Um, and um, the range was very high and the pitch was usually, you know, questionable. And... Um, what Jim's trying to do with this is correct some of those issues and try to bring what uh, I think John Clark calls this a hornet. I think that's a, a phrase yeah. he... T- uh, I heard uh, him play one in 77, I think. Yeah, they've been working on this for a while. But I, I got to <laughs> yeah. say, Jim's Jim's coming around to some, some good ideas on it. Um, it's pitched in F alto, so it's an octave higher. <laughs> It's pitched. It's pitched pretty high, um, and that gives you a little bit of of uh, facility. It gives you a little bit of room to goose around and not slip on so many um, lower harmonics. Um, it's got the piston valves on it. So it gives you some of the the tools that trumpet players have mm-hmm. for creating smears and blends and 
and things like that. Um, it's played on a normal horn mouthpiece, so it's not going to hmm. throw guys that. But you're using that want to play with a good pitch. You know, they want to keep their. Yeah. So not. You're you're using the other hand than you normally use on a French horn, right? Yeah, for me, you know what, I'm I'm not a uh, traditionally a jazz horn player, although I'm getting into it more, largely because of Tom, uh, because of a project that Tom did uh, this during <laughs> you know lockdown. Um, that uh, maybe he can tell you about it was a thing we oh, did on I'll, YouTube. I'll send and, that uh, to you, Billy. Yeah, oh, great. I just found it so so refreshing and 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 fun to be a part of it. It was just a little piece of a thing that I did for it, but it it was very exciting. I really enjoyed doing it. And but oddly enough, I have more of a connection. I primarily a piano player. That's what I started. I was twenty twenty between twenty and twenty one when I started horn. So I came to it really late. Um, and it played trumpet as a kid, and somehow, um, in this musical context, I'd rather come at it from the right side than okay. um, than left hand. But that you you could play this with the left hand too. It, it certainly would work. And now, uh, for for those of you out there that don't know John, he is a very accomplished TV and film composer, and he's also a great piano player. I've actually done gigs with you while you were playing <coughs> piano. <laughs> So, you know, he he got this new horn, like, when did you get it, like yesterday or the day before? Yeah, it came like two days ago. <laughs> and then he just wrote and recorded this piece this afternoon, and I'm going to play a little bit of it. It's the tune. You'll Alfie. recognize the tune. I did yeah. not write this tune. Yeah, no, he, he compo- arranged it and uh, yeah. and played the part. So let's check it out. This is Alfie by, by John ah. Dixon. <laughs> All right, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. 
Nice. Uh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, thanks. That was really just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, and and uh, which brings me, you know, I want to play this little, another piece by Tom. You have a, a, I just have a snippet of this one. It's called Prayer. Mm-mm. But this one's really lovely. And uh, tell us a little bit about this in the group that, that well, played it. Um, sometimes when you're making a big project, John, you might all relate to this. You're you're sweating blood on, oh, hold on, on a second. certain. Hold on. Sorry, sorry. This we were all muted for a second there. Sorry. Oh, oh, okay. So yeah, sorry. You were Something asking about a the uh, piece called prayer. prayer. Yeah. Right. Good. Um, when you when we sometimes are sweating over a big piece that's you know is going to be good, um, you might be going crazy over it, and then you might think, oh, I need one more little something at the end. Um, just this little something, um, and that might take five minutes instead of two weeks. And sometimes the thing you write in five minutes, you realize, oh, that's the best, one of the nicest things I've ever done, even though it's really simple. <laughs> so this is a, I, I wrote it as an afterthought, as a little um, coda to a whole long record, and it's only tenor trombone and bass trombone and horn. That's all it is. It's, but it's with the great Dave Taylor mm-hmm. on um, nice. bass bone. And um, Steve Swell on tenor bone, and it's really simple, but I was really happy with it. Very cool. Let me let me just play this uh, snippet I have here. Let's see. Tom Prayer got waved. There we go. Oops. <laughs> I think there's more to the piece, right? So, but I'll put links to that. And, uh, you know, again, in the uh, show notes page, it'll have links to these guys' bios, their SoundCloud, and whatever they've got, Apple Music or YouTube channels, whatever they've got going on. So, But that was really beautiful. That's piece, very Tom. cool. 
And uh, the Thanks. the boards are lighting up for both those pieces. Everybody seems <laughs> to like it. And uh, let's see, we're going to, well, Joyce and Jeffrey both live in Washington, and Joyce says she's seen you play several times. So, uh, ah, hi, uh, Joyce. We again, we are entirely tip based. Tips get distributed between the people you see on the screen, and uh, you're every little bit. No amount is too small. No amount is too large either. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I keep saying, I think if you want to donate more than a million, you, you have to do it in separate chunks. I don't think you can do Just more. Just do it but in bearer bonds or uh, exactly. some kind of stock. It's fine. Maybe a it's new motorcycle fine. for Bill. <clears throat> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, you know, while we're here, I'm going to do, this is my little commercial for the upcoming shows, if you guys will give me a second. Let me just put this up there. Every Thursday night is live jazz. Uh, and then twice a month, my schedule, I'm in and out of town. So twice a month, we're doing jazz roundtable shows. And I think the next one after this, might, we might go back and do part two of History of the Jazz Guitar because we barely scratched the surface last time. So anyway, that is my commercial for what's coming up on Live at Zero BPM. Nice. <laughs> so, but back to these guys. And, uh, uh, oh, Bill's got his horn out, but he, it's too late for him to play, I think. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bill just in Florida. Out the lead just to show you, it can be oh, even more yeah. complicated. Wow. <laughs> yes. Explain that. Explain the Is that a triple? That one. Beautiful. Yeah. Just a triple. So, so you have three layers of tubing here. F, B flat, and then high F. And you have two triggers to go between them. Wow. Mm -hmm. I have Is to that a Yamaha triple? Huh? Is that a Yamaha? No, Alexander. Oh, it's mm. an Alex. Okay, gotcha. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot of horns. <laughs> See it in there. <laughs> yeah. So it, sure. Yeah, there it is. Now imagine if you've got to learn all your arpeggios, all your scales, all your changes, all your two fives, and learn how to figure out that instrument. Yeah. And it's a that lot is, of work. It, 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 I need to make it's a twelve stuff for the double. <clears throat> Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's that's you know that's one reason you don't see more of us doing this and and yeah. the whole backwards bell thing. We're we're at a disadvantage a lot of time in a in a live setting. I've played not near as many solo jazz gigs as these two gentlemen have, but I've been on a lot of big band gigs, a lot of jazz gigs, playing in a mm -hmm. sea of bell front instruments, and you're the only couple of jackasses mm -hmm. aiming backwards mm -hmm. into the back of the hall. <laughs> well, and John, what do you do with that? Because miking a bell on a horn is not a good solution either. So right. we're, we present if a real quandary. If it's a quandary. small enough group, if it's not necessarily a really big, big band, mm -hmm. and if there's a, a small, if there's, um, I would sometimes sit with the saxes in the front, and I would be at the end, and I would sit like this. Kind of cheat uh, sideways, and I'd play like this, you know. Yeah, cheat the bell out. So um, even though it's not traditional, or if I'm playing um, in a group, especially if you're lucky enough to have the acoustics be so that you don't need any mic at all, mm -hmm. I will stand with my right side to the audience um, and right. physically move, move and sway however you need to, depending on. Uh, the need of that moment but then at least yeah it's not the old classical sound but at least you can um, you can project in a way that you can't when you're playing directly mm -hmm. backwards right. and um, right. so I've been doing that for years and years actually better than a mic well, but you have to be in the right situation where it's a, a, a sensitive drummer 
or more chamber music Uh-oh. or something like that. <laughs> oh no! Which we do. We do have them. You just ruled out. You just ruled out all the gigs. <laughs> I'm sure Billy, if you were playing drum set, Billy's very sensitive. I, I, don't, play, I, I and, don't play drum set, but if I did, okay. I would be sensitive. But you know, I, yeah, I, the first time I sensitive. heard French horn in a big band, I played in Bruce Lofgren's big band. He was actually a guest on the Jazz Roundtable a while ago. He's in a yeah, band yeah. arranger, and uh, that's where I met Tawny. And I, John, have you ever played? You've played in that band. Yeah, you? sure. You bet. Yeah, it was the first time, and what he does with the French horns is what an amazing color to add to that big band sound. It is. Yeah, but he's yeah. also using yeah. the doublers, the horn, the woodwinds on every instrument conceivable, so it's right, really right. a beautiful sound. And then I done some. I think does uh, Ron Jones uses French Ron horns. Ron Jones loves mm-hmm. it. Kim Richmond loves it. Kim Richmond. Um, David Angel's uh, chamber jazz band here in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know, classic California mm-hmm. West Coast jazz sound. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of guys that that knew that even if you're not sitting in an improv chair, which you certainly don't have to, but it's a right. nice thing to be able to do, the color of horn and what it right. can add, either mixed with woodwinds or woodwind doublers or or with the brass, it's it's just all about how much uh, zing we want to put in the sound. It's mm-hmm. it is a flexible, brilliant instrument in that context, especially if you know actually how to write for it, right. and you're not just doubling trombones with it. You know, if you really know what to do with it, it can be this beautiful glue where the listener mm-hmm. might not even know there's a French horn being played mm-hmm. there, but if it's right. doubling an alto or a tenor sax or it's it's doing its own thing. They go, ooh, ooh, right. like that's nice. <laughs> when you hear Gil Evans, when you hear Claude Thornhill, yes. when you yep. hear um, some of those great Thad Jones tra- um, tracks where they did have um, French horn on some of them or yeah. um, uh, other more modern modern groups too. Yeah. So um, it's, it's a, it's a it's great a color sound. to just slide into, yeah. slide into other textures. Right. And, um, yes. Right. Klaus Hogeman did a lot of good horn writing too. He he wrote some wonderful stuff for a horn. And also in those medium-sized bands, where like Birth of the Cool, nine piece, ten piece, eleven piece, ten tets. I love to play in bands where there might be one trombone, one horn, two saxes, two trumpets, piano, bass, and drums. And it's like this: you have this wonderful flexibility too. Yeah, that's cool. But uh, now, John, you you. you, I have some other pieces by you, which I'm going to play little snippets. Well, you you edit these down, but I've got two of those, and then I want to get to that video <laughs> you you were yeah. going to play for us. But which video's kind of these, nuts. Do you want to hear? Should I play the mellow tune or the horny Christmas? Uh, do a little of the of the Christmas tune. This is this actually went with the video I did last Christmas. I love. Um, I played horn in a lot of big bands. I played uh, some movie dates and things that were written in that in a kind of a commercial big band style. I played in a lot of uh, pops orchestras and things. And um, the horns usually have a nice single line to play, maybe a couple lines to play. So this yeah. was, if everybody else got fired and only the horns were left, uh, <laughs> this was my concept for, for a little bit of this. Get rid of everybody updated- else. Farewell Symphony. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. well, and me, I did it for Christmas. I did it for me, Christmas. Let me play a little bit of this here.
<laughs> I think that's the clip. Yes, there's the, there's the audience. Uh, let me unmute you guys. That was great, John. And uh, that's just a snippet from a larger piece. Now, you've got it up on your YouTube channel and everything? or Yeah, that was a thing I did, a, a concept, totally goofy. Uh, Santa's elves were tasked to make Christmas ornaments for uh, a tree, ho French horn ornaments. Mm. Uh, and the Santa Claus, is a, at the beginning of it, he's furious at the elves because this is the size ornaments they made <laughs> instead and uh. created... A, a, a quandary and so the elves are tasked with fixing it so their task is to find bigger and bigger trees so the ornaments are in proportion so I dressed as elves and I put myself 10, 12, 15, 20 of me in bigger and bigger trees and the punchline is I end up at 30 Rock in the big tree at 30 oh, Rock at nice. the end so well, I am going to put that link in the uh, show notes because now I want to see it. <laughs> but uh, This is what you do when you can't go to Trader Joe's because he won't let you out of your house. <laughs> well, yeah, but a lot of guys were recording videos at home, but you took it to another level. Do you want to play that, uh, that other video for us? Uh, sure, I'll let you see it. This is, again, you know... Um, this all started with the with the project that Tom had uh, a oh. bunch of horn players do, just uh, which was a, a series of of dozens of just little improvised thirty forty five second yeah. snippets. Just play yeah. whatever you want, and fifteen I, it just basically really, fifteen seconds, uh, and then boom right. boom boom boom. Uh, and it's based it, on a poetry it, poetry form where, where you don't know what the other person is doing, and you and then you put it all together. Yeah, wow. just maybe excited about doing this, so I'll. I'll show you uh, this one. Why don't you put it up there and I will pop you in. I was such a uh, Maynard nut as a kid. I, this is just a tribute to Maynard. And, okay. Uh, okay. And it's a lovely then, gray screen. I know, it's coming. <laughs> Give me a Here we go. Idiot. <laughs> 
You have totally Thanks. inspired me to up my video game now, John. Now I've got, I've got the green screen as well, but uh, that's great. And the arrangement's killer. The playing's great, so that was really fun. Thanks. That was uh, started uh, by an arrangement. This guy named Greg Schlechter, uh, a group called that I love is a quartet called Four Hornsmen of the Apocalypse, mm. who cornered the best oh. name of a quartet out there. Yeah. Did the bass of that. And I bought that a number of years ago, never played it. And I thought, you know, I'll do it, but I'm going to add the things back that the original had that they left out of that arrangement. There are mm-hmm. a few little asides, a few little fills. Um, and then loosen up the style. I mean, um, horns can play bends and rips and doets, and we can do all that stuff. Yeah. A lot of it is is just to uh, listen to the idiomatic playing by the instruments that do it all the time yeah. and emulate that on the horn, and then you figure out whatever else you have to do to make it work on our instrument. But I think listening is the biggest thing. The more you listen to good jazz singers and good jazz instrumentalists, the more you translate it to to what we're doing that was Julius's genius is he played a French horn jazz the way Miles played it you know and the guys that were his contemporaries on other instruments I think listening is is as key as anything else that's great we we can do a lot of half valve sounds that are very expressive like even more expressive than a trumpet can in some ways. But we can also make kind of cello-sounding ponticello, ponticello and sort of those strange string mm-hmm. sounds. Um, and Can um, you and demonstrate can, that? Whether we want sure. to or not sometimes. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, here's a this I'm not so bad at. That's just like one tiny little. We can do very low. Mm-hmm. We can do very, we can do those things higher. We can make play with the overtone series, but with all of our um, valves half up, half down, so the air right, right. doesn't know where to go, <laughs> and it goes like, "What are you doing to me?" And it can be very. It's very that's primal. Just like one of many expressive things we can do. And now going takes back, it to, back that, to the takes it back to the conch shell a little bit. Yes. It's very primal sounding. Yeah. Is that <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that because of the rotary valves you talked about earlier? Is it yes. Because of that? it's okay. the split. You can get these amazing split tones uh-huh. with um, the rotary half half this way, half that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you can pop on on some horns, especially Con AD's old old horns, you can make the, those um, split tones pop 
like a high octave, things like that. Right. As we, yeah, m- the, some of the crush beat bends can do that. The guyers right. won't do it. Interesting. Right. Do yeah. it. But okay. but the guyer styles can do it in other not. ways. <laughs> cool. This is a this is a Paxman, so it's it's a it's not exactly a guyer. It's its own animal, but it's much more similar to a guyer. And mm-hmm. um, wow! Yeah, there it is. Yeah. So you can do cool. Uh-huh. Um, sounds like Holtons can do that. Yeah. yeah, Holtons can do that really well. Cool. Well, I, I, you know, we can we can keep going for a little bit if you guys have more to talk about it. But I just want to do some shout-outs. I haven't mentioned some people. Charles from Texas is a French horn player. Jeffrey from Washington, which you said. Gabriella is from Florida, uh, and Joyce. And I just want to make sure that we got everybody. I like to say hello to everybody that comes in. There are yes. Lots of the fun thing about this show is that there's a group of hardcore regulars, Kim and Toby and and uh, Phil, and they have chats going on about what is going on. It's really kind of fun. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm trying to think if there's a couple other people. Oh, but, uh, Keiichi who, from Japan says, in jazz ensemble, I love to join in the trumpet section instead of fourth trumpet. That makes the sound mm-hmm. of the section richer, which is a really yeah. cool concept. Uh, yeah. And then also, I want to say, uh, is it... We have, we have another historian here. I think it's... Uh, boy, I'm scrolling up to find her. I think it was Joyce that is, keeps throwing out these little tidbits in here, but... Mm. There's so many chats, I can't find her original post. Oh, she says, Ralph Towner plays the French horn. That's true. That is true. I, although I haven't yes. heard him play it in that much, especially as years have passed. But also Bob Rauch yeah. is somebody who has played yes. both jazz and classical French horn. Yes. Mark Taylor yes. as well. Yes, Mark. Mark, Mark Taylor um, is a terrific player. Uh, and of course, yes. we have Rick Todd, Vincent Chancy, yep. I've mentioned. And there's lots yep. of younger, younger people, Giovanni Hoffer, uh, Victor, who was... In out there in um, um, f- from Brazil, mm-hmm. um, Yuri from Tokyo, um, and other young young ones that are only out of college of out of the last say five or six years that are really quite good. And, and yeah. um, plus, you've got so. uh, I got a shout out to Tom Bacon. I worked with Tom some when I was yes. in Houston. Yes. Tom was yeah. was was is is such a free spirit on the horn and That's cool. could could do yeah. a lot of the really athletic uh, jazz things that trumpet and trombone players do easily and he recorded a lot of really cool stuff for horn as well, well let's make sure we can find a list of names and i'll try to find links to uh to their recordings or videos or whatever just so uh our audience can come back look at that yes uh, the show notes and get uh, it'll take me a couple of days to put that together and to mix this down because this gets turned into a podcast also so if you're listening as yes. a podcast you know go to the show notes they'll pop up there as but billy other yeah. people who for them it's five in the morning yes. in europe can they come and watch this? These, um, these are archived later forever. The same links Great. will get you to Facebook, I, YouTube, and Twitch. Okay. So, uh, yeah, these stay up forever. And you can tip. Uh, you know, we get tips sometimes like ha- <laughs> six months later. Somebody stumbles across a video and then send a tip. Cool. In it. I, it's cool. all, you know, when you go to the tip jar link, you can pull and select who you wanted the tip right. to go to and that sort of thing. I told people that, and I want to make sure. Yeah, we usually, I wanted to yes. mention very briefly oh, Robert sure. Northern, bro- brother of yes. Bob Northern. Brother-in-law. Was yeah. a great, just passed also a pioneer who just passed about mm, a year yes. ago. A year um, ago, mm-hmm. play. He studied with Gunther Schuller, and he was a great classical player. And but played with Thelonious Monk, and then played with lots of um, 
great people, and then sort of took a turn to like um, world music, African music, ethnomusicologist, um, taught at many colleges, um, and mm-hmm. was in Washington D.C. for many years. But he just died about a year ago. So he was mm-hmm. he was important in this lineage as well. Yeah, yes. Arkady is another guy. Arkady Shuklover yes. and, and uh, Russia yes. is doing some really fun yeah. stuff. You know, pushing the pushing the jazz fusion thing, right. especially. Right. Uh, and oh, you, in the links, in the links, you should put down the um, the jazz modes. Yes, which that was is the-, the idiomatic of the uh, sextet that would play standards, and you can hear some incredible horn playing there. Right. That was Julius. Julius with Charl- Charlie Rouse, and it was okay. an incredible yes. group. I'll make sure you have some links. Well, if you're out there um, and you're watching and you want to uh, get on our mailing list, I don't spam you. I send out one a week. Just goes out on Mondays, talks about the shows that are coming up that week. Just Look at there. Go to liveatbpm.com. Wow. Hey, <laughs> and this, there's a link right on the button right on the front that says get mailing list. It's also right next to the tip jar link. So if you're there, you're feeling uh, like you want to throw <laughs> five to a million dollars at us, that, that would every little bit helps. So uh, Yeah, horns are expensive. Yeah, they're very saying. expensive. Yeah. <laughs> expensive. Yes. So is Tell streaming. Me about it. So is streaming. Especially these here. triples. These triples cost like cars. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what one of the comments was like just motorcycles. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like just, motorcycles, yeah. Yeah. So, but I think we're going to, I think, unless there's something else, but we should get together again and maybe do this down the road. Uh, once a year, we should, uh, during the, uh, yes. it's, it's International Horn Symposium, right? Is that what's going on? Now? Yeah, this right. week, instead of in one place, it's all, kind of all over. Um, and there's lots and lots of um, lectures and talks and concerts. Let's hope in a year it will actually be again. Yeah. Yes. Where we can hug and kiss each other. Yeah. And, exactly. Uh, drink beer together. <laughs> yeah. And, and, oh, I missed the beer. Was wonderful. I missed the beer. Two years ago was just the best. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, I want to shout out again to Tawny Lynn for for putting this yes, getting this you. started because yeah, she, she had did the good. idea since it was all going to be virtual. But to get you guys on here, this is really interesting. And I honestly, you know, except for a couple of cats here in town, I wasn't really thinking. So now I'm going to go out and I'm going to fill my. You know, my playlist with French horn jazz. Yes. <laughs> the complete Tom Varner series. We're you know? now in the go. hundreds instead yeah. of the fives. <laughs> the fives. Instead right. Of, there must be dozens of them out there. No, that's great. Yeah. So, and hopefully tens some people out there. But again, <laughs> yes. get on the mailing list. Shoot us a tip. Whatever you want. You send some comments in and uh, we'll get it to you. But I'm going to play the outro, which is talking about what's uh, coming up next. So uh, thank you. Let's get a, a big hand for John Dixon and uh, Tom Varner. And Bill Warnick. And thank you, guys. Here thank is you the everybody. outro. Thanks for having us, Billy. Sure. Great well, to see you. Thank you, oh, Billy. Yeah. Good to see you again. guys. Uh, and here we go. Where's my magic button? There it is. Thanks for joining us at Live at Zero BPM. These videos will be archived on YouTube and Facebook, so tell your friends. These jazz roundtable shows will also be released as a podcast, so please subscribe. Go to live at zeropm.com for details and to sign up for our mailing list. Also... Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you soon!